Christ around the world and wherever you are assembled today, may the Holy Spirit just go to where you are and minister to you. I hold in my hands a couple of prayer cloths I'm going to send to Washington State to Sister Debbie Ray that's asked for prayer. I know she mentioned cancer and other things. God knows every need and we believe that nothing will stand before our prayers, not even cancer. We're looking to the Lord today for deliverance for this need. Man, I remember when I sent it over to South Africa and a little woman with third stage rectal cancer and God healed her. I believe he's still the same God. I believe the prayer of faith shall save the sick and God shall raise them up. I believe that healing is the children's bread. We're going to send this little sister some bread this morning. Amen. Healing in the name of Jesus. Father, as we come before your throne of grace, we find there is help in our time of need. Lord, we, oh God, are needy people. We recognize that today. And the song is said, stay. I I don't want to go. And that's the truth, Lord. We don't never want to depart from your presence. And we know you said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So we know, Lord, that you'll do your part, but we want to stay in your presence. We're just asking for that anointing today to go forth in the word. Healing virtues, Lord, to, to just go with this prayer today, and these prayer cloths that we send to Washington State. Lord, you see that little home and that place that they're looking to you, Lord, today. Maybe doctors don't give a good report. Maybe, Lord, uh, the reasonings of man says it's not possible. But, Lord, we do know you're the healer and deliverer. And we know, God, that even if someone has committed sin, it shall be forgiven them. So we know then there's nothing that can hold back the promise of God. Lord, we pray, oh God, that you'll bring a healing touch for this family today. May, Lord, there be a deliverance in the name of Jesus demon powers be driven back in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and I ask Lord you'll bless your people that is assembled together Lord there are many needs that are here in the body I pray that you'll minister to every need Lord God that you bring healing deliverance salvation Lord you're a need supplier we want to thank you we want to thank you for, for providing Brother Sam Patton a job and Brother L. Liddell a job. And we want to thank you, Lord, for providing for the needs of your children. We know, Lord, that you are a mighty God and you work on our behalf. So we ask, Lord, that you'll just touch your people today. Touch your people once again. Let your mighty hand reach out, Lord. Our fellow minister, pastor, Our brother Michael Altig that we prayed for, Lord, there's nothing too hard for you. Brain bleed, aneurysms, Lord, oh God, a torn arteries and heart condition all from this, crushed crushed in his body. But we know, Lord, you're the healer. We just ask, Lord, that you would do in your perfect way today. 
Lord, we, we would ask for healing. We would ask for a miracle. You know, Lord, what you have planned and what's best, but we would ask. We would ask for a miracle, for healing, Lord, for him and for his little church, his family, those that are calling on your name today, that you'd bring a healing touch. May you pass by their way today in the name of Jesus Christ. Those assembled in this building today, Lord, it's reaching out to you. May you just minister to them. To those that are just here as observers and, 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 and have never entered in, may today this be a day, Lord, that they get off the seat of, of just being observing and enter in and receive something from you. I pray, Lord, that you'll take, take a hold of every critical spirit now and bring it subject to the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit just reign supreme in every life and every heart. Lord, we know that no one will get anything with a critical spirit. They're going to have to come in the attitude of receiving a, a humble heart. So I pray, Lord, that you'll break that today and open up hearts and lives that they can receive of your word, we pray. As we stand here in need of you today, I ask, Lord, you'll minister to us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Amen. Turn around and shake hands with somebody while we sing this song, Ain't God Good, to give us so many blessings. Amen. It's undeserving. That's what it is. Well, ain't God good to give us so many blessings undeserving. That's what we are. We are to thank Him.
voice of praise and let his fire come down upon you and receive that sacrifice today as we worship him today in his presence. Amen. Amen. We're going to have little sister Ellie Patton. She's going to be baptized today in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We saw the Holy Spirit work upon our young children there even in the prayer line and and, um, and different times after the service and the special meetings, and this is a result of that. Amen. She's made that decision to follow Jesus. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. God bless you. If you'll be to turn with me in your Bibles, be found in Genesis 18 and verse 1. I wanted to tell you, Brother Timothy and I are leaving for Switzerland. We're having meetings from there. I wonder how many of you enjoyed Brother David Mayer when he was here. Did you enjoy that? Amen. Well, that comes with a price. So, you know, we have to go and pay up. So, you know, um, you know we just can't have them all just come our way without also uh, going there too and trying to help out. And it's been a long time since I've been over there. We was there during the Easter camp um, some years ago now four or five years ago, I can't remember the date, but anyway, we're going back again, and there's a couple of hundred people gathering there from England and Belgium and Switzerland and France and, um, and several other places, and a lot more tuning in in Serbia, uh, Croatia, different other places over there, so going to be quite a few that will be, uh, you know, joining with us in those meetings, if, if they're not physically there, but maybe uh, in the broadcast. And so, you know, it's the way that the gospel has of spreading around the world. Amen. And so, <clears throat> we just prayed that God would bless us in a great day, way today in his presence. Amen. Genesis 18, verse 1. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And verse 9, and they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. And how Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I'm old, waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. God bless you, can be seated. I'm going to speak today on the changing the change of atmosphere. The winds of change are blowing across the world as we know it today, and we're entering into a very, very different season. It's a very serious time that we're living. And everyone, no matter who you talk to, whether it even be the news you listen to, everyone is feeling restless, and we know that something bad is foreboding in the world, and we have had a pandemics that we have just passed through and still uh, threatened by and uh, viruses that have killed millions, shut down world economies. 
brought, back, brought about global inflation. And uh, this has brought about, um, even with all of this, in the midst of all of this, it brings about rampant voter fraud and throughout the nation. We have elected a Catholic president and a woman vice president dressed in royal purple. And um, we have a, a new woke agenda from our government that has weakened our military. And uh, this same agenda is destroying our educational system and, uh, and uh, the American families. And the spirit of lawlessness has increased across our nation as we hear the cries uh, defund the police and and then uh, rioting in the cities and rising crime. And Brother Branham talked about this. He said um, uh, himself when he when he referred to such times like this, he he compared it to a lamb that was out eating in the field, and the, the little poor the poor little fellow couldn't see nothing, but. He begins to feel restless, even though he's not seeing anything. He's, he senses something's wrong, that there's something fixing to happen. Because crouching over in the bushes is a lion coming up. And it's just something about it. He can't tell it, but he knows something is fixing to happen. He, can, he can't see the lion, but he knows something is wrong. And that's the way it is today that uh, there's a setting scene today with all the conglomeration of blackness and darkness and sin and things that are going on in the world. They're actually setting the stage for the greatest drama that was ever acted out in all the ages, the coming of Jesus Christ. Now, if you actually look back in the days of Sarah and Abraham, they were actually actors on the, the stage as it was, and they were prophesying of end time events. And so, um, again, they, they were in this situation, but Sarah was not quite in the spirit of what was happening. You see, she was sitting back there, um, perhaps confused as to what was going on and hearing the angels report it. She just couldn't somehow believe that that was true. Now, but of course, you know, we can't have the last day until people get in the spirit of the last days. We can't have a healing service unless people get in the spirit of, uh, of a healing service. You, you know that. The atmosphere has to be right. And we, we cannot have a filling of the Holy Ghost unless the atmosphere is right for people to get in that kind of an atmosphere and it's in the right atmosphere that the Holy Ghost comes. Remember when the day of Pentecost was fully come, it was where when the atmosphere became right, that's when the Holy Spirit came down. And of course, um, you know, the, the people was um, in the atmosphere back in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah that we are reading about these days that to bring judgment upon the earth. And the angels were coming down and mixing with human beings and as far as walking among them. And they were, they were um, looking there, looking and judging the, the, uh, the fruits of the people upon the earth. And, uh, and of course, they, they're in the same atmosphere today. And Brother Bradham told us, we are also in another time of investigating angels. 
where that they are looking for something. They're looking, they're looking to hear as, um, as uh, God would say to Abraham, I've come down to see if the report of these sins is true or not. And, and if it is, I will know. And so he sends angels down there to investigate. And, and of course, he comes to Sarah and he's looking for faith. And this is what God is looking for in this last day. God is looking for somebody who will believe him, whose hearts have been turned back to believing again. But of course, we look at the age that we're living in, this like Sodom and Gomorrah, that they're, they're marriage and, and giving and marriage and divorce and remarriage and then, you know, just cohabiting and all kinds of sin of, of you know, of drinking and, and um, carousing and so on. And um, the glory of God, of course, is also being preached and demonstrated in the power of the Holy Ghost. And uh, it sets forth an example of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and it shows us that God is going to take a church into glory. And I believe even the atmospheres that we can see that are changing, even in our, in our church and the church body and the, and the ministry that is going forth, it's being preached with certain expectation, with certain atmospheres, producing certain atmosphere because that we know just as certain as I'm standing here, Jesus Christ is coming back to the earth again for a people. But at the same time, men are ignoring it and paying no attention to it or walking away from it because they are in the spirit of the last days. And the atmosphere is coming ripe for this. Now, for Sarah, there had to come a change of atmosphere in her life. Amen. In order to receive the promised son, I just want to say she's typing the bride. And so there has to be a change of atmosphere within the bride of Christ where she comes under the expectancy of seeing the miraculous and recognizing the presence of God among us. The, there had to become a change of atmosphere in Sarah's life in order for her to receive the promised son. And the same thing it is, we, we cannot just sit in Laodicean conditions and, and um, you know, lax and um, rich and increasing goods saying we have need of nothing and expect, expect the coming of the Lord. We've got to get in the spirit of his coming. Now, Brother Branham told us, I don't look for revival in this generation. He said, I look for the coming of the Lord. But with the coming of the Lord does come revival. It is a restoration. It is a reviving. It is a refilling of the Holy Ghost. It's an outpouring of his spirit. And, and so, again, you see, the, the church must get in the atmosphere in order to receive the promised son. Now, Sarah was barren. She was sitting in her tent in unbelief. How much longer can Sarah sit there? And I just want to say that about the bride of Christ. How much longer can we just sit in the tent and sit there, you know, where like Sarah did. Sarah had allowed bitterness to rule within her. She had come to a point that rather than easily believe in the promise and receiving it, she would actually laugh at the promise. And so, you see, she had let bitterness rule in her life. 
You know, there, there's many people make that mistake, and this is what happens to their marriage or in their home or even in their church. It drives them out of the house of God. They start letting bitterness rule in their life. And, and so this was Sarah. She had just kind of got bitter at life, sitting back in the tent and, and not expecting the fulfillment of the promise of God. Now, I want to tell you, you must rule your atmosphere. You see, you must rule your thoughts. You know, what you think will define you. What you dwell upon and what you think on will become what you are. They become words and words become actions and action becomes in deeds and deeds become um, who you are. And you become associated then with those bitterness, that bitterness But I want you to know that if you can ever get your heart turned to faith, that faith will change your vocabulary. It'll take it from, it'll never happen to me, or it's impossible for me, or looks like the promise is, you know, way off from me, and my children will never come in, or I'll never have that promised child, or I'll never get over this sickness, or I can't rise above this problem. You see, when, when faith comes, it'll change your vocabulary. It'll take away the I can't and put in I can I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me so with his power I can do this. You see, Sarah had let her barrenness define her. And I want you to know you cannot allow your barrenness to define you. Well, it's been a long time. God doesn't really love me. I hadn't felt the Spirit of God in years. Do not let barrenness define you. That is not who you are. You are a people of promise. You are a people of faith. You're not a people of defeat. Amen. You're not to have a victim mentality, but an overcoming mentality. Because he said to the Laodicean age, to him that overcometh. So there has to be somebody in this age overcome. Now, so you see, we, we cannot let whatever situation we are going through define us. Amen. We cannot look at our problems and let that define who we are. The trouble in our families, don't let that define your family. That may be what you went through and what you've been, but that's not who you are. You are the child of the Most High God. You are a possessor of heaven and earth. You are, you are the sons and daughters of the king. So you don't let anything negative define you. You take the word and let it define you as to who you are. I am a blood-bought, blood-washed, son or daughter of the living God. You need to look at your situation and say, I'm not going to let it define me. I will not take on the name of this sickness, this problem, this debt, my failures. That's not who I am. That is not my de- what defines me. Now, Sarah had let this define her until she become bitter. Oh, it'll never happen for me. She had given up on the promise. 
I'm going to tell you, friends, she was right on the, right in the, the, the very face, right on the cusp of her promise being fulfilled, and she was about to miss it. But there's something about God. When he prophesies, when he puts it in his word, when he says, I'll have a bride without spot or wrinkle or blemish, Hallelujah, when he puts in his word what you're going to be, amen, then God's going to bring it to pass and he's going to work until he brings it to pass. Now, when you get to where you should be in your faith, then you can be like the Shunammite woman and say all is well. Don't give up until you get to where your faith is reaching the level of God's promise. Now, you, are, you see, you are, you are not built to remain in the valley. You may have had things in your life that has blowed you down. And you're sitting down maybe on the lowest of the lowest limbs. But I want to remind you, you're still an eagle. Just because storms have blowed you down, just because trouble has got you down, just because that it doesn't seem like it's ever going to happen for me, doesn't mean that, that you're not an eagle anymore. Are you with me? Amen. You were made to fly with the eagles where all things are possible to them that believe. You are to rule the skies. In other words, you are to rule the atmospheres. But right now, Sarah is letting her atmosphere rule her. And God comes to visit because he has to birth faith in Sarah's heart first. You see, words have been spoke of her many years before. But she just regarded them as for somebody else. You know, uh, uh, her years of barrenness had taken this toll, and she believed the promise was true for Abraham, but not for her. You see, it wasn't possible for her. She, she kind of had a victim mentality. And God had to change her to a restoration mentality. And this is what God wants to do with you. He wants to take you from where you've always been the victim to where that you can be the victor. Where that you've always lived a defeated life and, and barrenness and, you know, you've just not ever been what you're supposed to be and you never could quite attain and you've never been good enough. God wants to change you from a, an atmosphere of unbelief to a restoration mentality. For he said, I will restore, saith the Lord. Now, you see, it's kind of about a mentality I've talked about quite a bit, a slave mentality. You see, Sarah had to get rid of the victim mentality that enslaved her. Victory starts in the mind first. I want you to get this right. I want you to get it. This is the womb to the soul. 
the mind is the gateway. And victory starts in the mind first. That's why that the right mental attitude toward the divine promise will bring it to pass. And as long as you've got this poor me, it'll never happen for me. I, I can never do it. We can never attain. We might as well give up. This, uh, this is what defines who I am. As long as you have that, then the, that raw mental attitude will come out of your mouth and you will be speaking unbelief and fear and doubt rather than faith. And only faith can create Now, so you see, victory starts in the mind first. So mental, right mental attitude toward the promise of God is what must be. I can, be, I can do all things through Christ's strength. Amen. He was going to bless me in the field. He's going to bless me wherever I go. His blessings upon me. His love is upon me. Amen. He, he is, he's put his love upon me. He's going to bring into my life what, what he has designed for me to be. You see, Sarah had been prophesied over. But she began to believe that the promise, you know, carried. So it's not for me. It's not for me. It couldn't be for me. It's got to be for somebody else or else it would have happened. And now it's beyond, you know, even what I could have ever believed before. I could believe this when I was young. I could believe this when I was healthy and, and a young girl, but I can't believe it now. It is past. But that's when God likes to work. When it becomes impossible for man, then God steps in and works. Because he's the one who can do the impossible. Now, Joseph, for example, Joseph was a slave down in Egypt. And, you know, he had, he had, had dreams and prophecies over him. Right? And yet, so far, it didn't have, it wasn't producing nothing but slavery and captivity and abuse and false accusations, and lies and imprisonments. He could have easily looked at the promise and said, well, you know, I, I missed it. It's not for me. The prophecy ain't for me. It ain't going to happen. Like it said, I mean, I had this vision of, of the 12 stars and the sun and the moon bowing before me. I had this vision of the, of the 12 sheaves bowing before me. I had all of that, but it's not for me. It's never going to happen. It'd be impossible for it to happen in my condition. You see, after all of these years of trying to believe, I'm just still barren. It's never, never been fruitful in my life. But you see, you see, Joseph had to see himself differently than his situation. He had to see himself as an overcomer, as a victor. And so even though he sold into slavery, he excels into positions. Is that right? He didn't just sit there in his bitterness and say, well, I'm sold down here. You know, you, you got to look at even the wisdom of God. How did he orchestrated the whole thing? How in the world is he going to ever reach this position of governor of Egypt and he don't even know their language? Did you ever notice when he spoke in the Egyptian tongues, his brother didn't understand him? Right? They spoke a different language. 
He had to be sent and, and, and abased in order to be prepared to sit on the throne. I'm telling you, everything that you have been going through is only preparing you for your moment of victory. The heartaches, the stress, the weeping, the crying, the barrenness, the hurt, everything has only been preparing you for your victory. He was a slave down in Egypt. But in order to get from being a slave to the governor, he had to see himself as a victor, an overcomer. This is where you got to start seeing yourself. Your name is not defeat. Your name is not barren. Your name is not, I can't do it. Your name is, I'm an overcomer. I will rise above this. You see, no matter how many times that Joseph tried to get up, he was pushed down. You see, every time that he almost raised and thought, oh my, it's a, this is going to be it now. And I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to raise it. You see, my brothers will come and now I'm head of Potiphar's house and uh, glory to God, he'll see me in an important position with an important man, one of the leaders in Egypt, and they'll see, they'll see and they'll have to recognize. But that wasn't what God's plan was. So he almost achieves only to drop down again. So then he gets put in jail on a lie, trying to do right. Are you with me? You think, well, if I do everything right, it's just going to be a bed of roses. Yeah, but they got thorns. Amen. Yeah, there'll be roses along the way, but there's going to be a lot of thorns in that too. Are you with me? Amen. So Joseph, again, he almost achieves, and he's now made, you know, again, he's not just set back in bitterness but he reaches toward the promise even when he's in prison. And he becomes the head of the prison. If God placed me here, I'm going to excel while I'm here. That ought to be your attitude wherever you are. Amen. In your walk with God, you ought to say, wherever I am, I'm going to excel right here until God moves me higher. I'm going to be faithful. Now here again... You know, it looks like it's, man, it's just going to come to pass. You know what? My brothers will get down here to Egypt, and, and I'll tell you what will happen. You know, they will, they will, uh, um, they will surely see me because, um, you know, my brothers are scallywags. They'll get in prison down here, and they'll get thrown in jail, and when they do, well, they'll see me. I'll be the head of the prisons. But God had more for him. More. Did you hear the song, more? I want more. Don't be satisfied where you are. There's more for you. Stay in his presence, but expect more. So Joseph was a slave, and, and, and now he comes into prison, and no matter, but no matter how many times he gets pu- pushed down, he had to get up again and again, and that's what I'm saying to you. If you've been pushed down, 
If you've been disappointed, get up one more time. Sarah is saying, I'm in the tent. There ain't no need for me to get up. But God comes to her and says, get up. I got more plans for you than that barrenness and that bitterness and that unbelief. I am going to make you a woman of faith. Listen, God wants us to be a people who believe in his promise, who believe it's for ourselves. That it's just not, oh, I believe Brother Branham could do that, and I believe Brother Tim could do that, or I believe God wants you to in a place where you believe that your prayers mean something to God. The children of Israel, when they was leaving Egypt, I'd like to point out to Exodus 3 and verse 21. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall come to pass that when you go, you shall not go out empty. Now listen, they are again another type, another prophecy of an end time people. They are in their exodus, which they are typing us. And in their exodus, what does he say? When you go, you're not going out of here empty. But every woman shall borrow of her neighbor and of her that sojourneth in her house jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And you shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters and you shall spoil the Egyptians. Now think about this. Here they are leaving, going to the promised land And they have been slaves, 400 years slaves. Their great dad, their great granddaddy was a slave. Their great, great granddaddy was a slave. That's all they knew. Listen, they were full of, uh, they were victims. They were were full of of slave mentality. How could we be the people of God? How could we ever do anything? How could we ever rise above all of this? And God said, I'll tell you what, when you're going, I don't want you going out here looking like slaves. I want you to kind of go out of here with the finest, the finest garments. I want you to go out of here with gold and, and raiment and silver and every kind of wealth. I don't want you leaving here like you're a victim. I don't want you leaving here like you're a slave because today you're no longer a slave. Oh, if that can get in the heart of the bride, we're not going to leave out of here as victims and slaves and with a slave mentality. But God has made sure to dress you in the garment of his word with gold, with silver, with abundance, with healing, with miracles, with signs, with wonders. Hallelujah, with powers of the Holy Ghost. And you're not going to leave out of here looking like a bunch of rejects. But my elect, my bride, my chosen, and you're not a victim anymore, and you're not a slave anymore, but you're mine. Mine. You look like the, the king's daughter. Gold, silver, and fine raiment. Amen. The children of Israel had to strip Egypt of their wealth. 
In doing so, they got payment for the years of captivity. For every stripe they got, for all the beatings that they had, for all the times that they were misused and abused, God made sure they got paid back before they left. And no matter how much Satan has abused you, no matter how much evil has befallen you, God is going to make sure this bride is not going to leave here in a defeated condition, but looking and acting and dressed in the raiments of the queen of heaven. Pay back, Satan. It is now payday. We're going we're to get paid back for all the evil that you've done, for what you did to our bodies, to what you did to our children, to what you did to our families, to what you did to all of us. There is coming a great payday. Guess who is barren when we leave? Guess who is stripped when we leave? Guess who is poor when we leave? (coughs) The devil. Now, so you see, God wanted them to realize they were not poor and slaves, but rich. He wanted them to ditch their their slave mentality for a restoration mentality. You see, they were not going to the land as slaves and vagabonds. God wanted them to see themselves in a new light. This is why he comes to Sarah. She's got to see herself in a new light. Because right now, she's so full of unbelief that when an angel of God, no, when Jehovah God himself is standing in front of her, telling her what's going to happen, she disbelieves in the face of God. As I look at this for a moment, I want you to think of this like Israel. We're going out of here. The Bible said they went out with a high hand. And I want you to say this, how we're going to leave from here. We're going out in new clothes. Fully dressed in new bodies. Changed in a moment in a twinkle of an eye. Everything that the devil stole got back again. Now, the last miracle God will do, will, did for Sarah was to make her young again, fixing the original problem. And in doing that, he bypassed the natural processes. And, and to prove it all, and I think it's amazing, that in the story of Sarah and Abraham, and we'll maybe get to it a little later again, but uh, there is King Abimelech wants this 90-year-old for a wife. She is so restored that he wants her womb for his own seed. Remember this. This is the devil. This is what he's out to do. 
He wants the seed, that the womb of Sarah for his own. He did this to Eve. Come on. He, he done this now to Sarah. He's doing it to the church. He wants her womb to reproduce himself in there. Now, you see, King Abimelech looked at this 90-year-old woman and wanted her for a wife. She was so made new and so restored that this old woman, well-stricken in age, she would actually live 37 more years after the birth of Isaac and, 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 uh, and raise her son Isaac to manhood. Think of this. I mean, she didn't just have strength to give forth. She had strength to live another almost 40 years. Raise her son to manhood. And, and Abraham, after his body was now dead, that's what the Bible said, was so changed that he lived another 75 years and was so full of vitality at nearly 140 years old that he begat six more sons even after Sarah's death. Now, how's that for restoration? Now, the first miracle that Jesus did when he began his earthly ministry was at a wedding feast. We are now at another wedding feast. Remember, Brother Branham even tells us, America, you have been called to a wedding feast and you refuse to come. And, and so, again, they, at the wedding feast that Jesus went to, they ran out of wine. And, and when they did, Jesus bypassed all of nature. I want you to think about this. You see, to bring water into wine, he actually bypassed the seed, the leaves, the vine, the grapes, the, in other words, the fruit. He didn't, he didn't wait for the, the for a, a cluster of vine, a grape to, to um, cluster of grapes to, to grow and uh, for the vine to grow up. He bypassed the squeezing of the juice. The weeks of preparation of processing the wine. You see, he took water and he bypassed the entire process. And took water, which would have been wine, by coming up through the grapevine and to the fruit and mashed out and then made into wine. Jesus bypassed that for his first miracle. His last miracle, I want you to get this. He will do the same thing for his bride people. He's going to bypass the natural processes. You see, you see, as I quote from Brother Branham, he's God. You fail to see who he is. He's the unchanging God. I'm glad I got my faith in him tonight that someday when my body, my life, my body with his 16 elements will be back in the dust of the earth, he will say, William Branham, and I'll come forth. And, uh, and he will breathe the breath of life into it and say, there you are. And he'll bypass the birth of my mother and so forth. Like Jesus on his first miracle, he turned water into wine. Eventually it would have been wine, but he bypassed all that procedure. And he said, turn water into wine. And at the resurrection, he will not say, Mr. and Mrs. Branham, get married again and bring forth William. He will speak and I'll come forth. That's him, that he's God. There will come forth a time, he says, again, where there will be no more sex, 
But God will call his children from the dust of the earth back like they was in the original, not through any woman, but through the molding of the clay and the cosmic lights and the petroleum. He will create again like he did Adam at the first time. The last miracle will be like that. He did it, took water, turned it to wine. God will do the same thing. He will bypass the natural birth process and give you a brand new body. We're right here at the last miracle. Brother Timothy was preaching Wednesday night about, uh, along these same lines. I felt like it made a good platform. And I want to say thank you, Brother Timothy. Brother Timothy was sick. And he preached when he wasn't feeling good. And I want to thank him for laboring for the Lord. But, the, you know, and he mentioned there about uh, the prophet Elisha, how he got all out of sorts, seeing the son of Ahab had come to him along with Jehoshaphat. Now, Jehoshaphat was of the, of the, one of the kings of Judah, and the son of Ahab, he was just a scoundrel like his daddy was. He was a descendant of Jezebel. And it was, uh, you know, he had lived a... a a, a horrible life and had followed the gods of Baal and other gods. And, and when, when, he come, when he come to there, remember, um, they, uh, they went to seek the Lord because they had a formidable host out there and they didn't know what to do. And Jehoshaphat said, let's consult the prophet. Now, I think that's what real, true, sincere men and daughters, sons and daughters of God do. They want to consult the word. What did the word say about this? So he goes to the prophet, and of course the prophet looks out, and he sees that scallywag, that son of Ahab there, and it makes him mad because he comes to his church service. An old rascal like him coming here, you know, he served other gods. He's went and chased this and all kinds of false doctrines and things, and now he's going to show up at my meeting when he needs help. Here he comes, and it got the prophet out of sorts. He can do that. In case you didn't know. Still happens. But anyway, you know, remember the story, and Brother Bradham tells us so well in making the valley full of ditches. Uh, this was in Shreveport, 1956. I happened to be in this, in this series of meetings there as a boy about almost two years old in the fairgrounds in Shreveport. My family attended there. Brother Branham's talking about here what you have to do to prepare for, prepare for the promise to be fulfilled. And he, he said, and they went and got all the music, and they first got to play in the music some real good hymn. And the first thing you know, when the songs return to Zion, when the music and the children begin to sing from the heart, something takes place. The Spirit of the Lord come on the prophet. And if a real old-fashioned godly singing, repenting would bring the Spirit of God on the prophet then, it would do the same today. And Notice he wanted to see the way out, and the only way they could do it would be a revival. And he had some repentant sinners that had come in, the music played, and the prophet saw vision. Now let me, let me pause for a minute. Because he said, well, that's it, Brother Tim. We, we need old-fashioned songs. Well, what you don't realize, I, you know, I am a student. I do know what I'm talking about. 
What you don't realize is that most of Brother Branham's old-fashioned songs were written in his generation. They were contemporary for the time. They were even sang by like, you know, worldly men like Roy Acuff and, and uh, you know, Dad, well, I can, I can name a lot of different ones. And Brother Branham would use those songs and sing those songs and speak of those songs. He would take a high-on-the-chart pop song called On the Wings of a Dove and write a verse to it by the Holy Spirit. So you see, this was a song. These were songs that were written in his time. This is what he's calling old-fashioned. This is what he's called because it is old-fashioned. You see, the music we sing is old-fashioned to the world. It is. It is old-fashioned to the world. They, you see, they don't want that kind of a singing because it brings the spirit of God down. Watch the Holy Spirit anoint those songs and anoint the people and see the atmosphere get charged to be able to receive the word. Now, in making the valley full of dishes, he's, ditches, he said the only way you're ever going to see your way out is an old-fashioned spiritual revival where the hallelujahs of God is ringing from the bottom of your heart and an old-fashioned Holy Ghost set revival hits the place. And then you begin to see things that God will bring to begin to reveal things. And you wonder why these real Christians are hanging on, why they're praying for you. What a revival. And he got in the spirit. And that's the reason that these people have dances. They didn't have a dance so they could get in the spirit of dancing. You can't have a ball game until you get in the spirit of the ball game. You've got to get in the spirit of it. And never can we have a revival in Shreveport or anyone else until the church gets in the spirit of revival and that God can perform, come and conform miracles. He can show signs and wonders. He can stretch forth his hand to heal the sick and afflicted. The preacher can preach the gospel as hard as he can, but there'll never be a revival until the church gets in the spirit of revival. So, well, Brother Tim, that's our problem. We don't believe in revival. Yeah, you don't, but God does. Because this is an hour of restoration, revival. Amen. This is the time where God is pouring out his spirit upon all flesh. You watch those spirits. He says how they begin to move and it's the spirit of anything that does the work of it anyhow. The people have to be in this kind of a spirit to bring the latter days. The people's in the spirit of the latter days. The nations are in the spirit of the end time. They got atomic weapons and hydrogen weapons, all kinds of things, because it's in the spirit of the day. The people are, are in the spirit of the end time. The church is moving together under the power and the impact of the Holy Spirit, and the world is running out yonder and making fun and scoffing and laughing, and they're living like the devil every day. It's the spirit of the thing. So Brother Branham tells us it's the atmosphere has got to get right. So no wonder we see Sodom all around us. No wonder we see evil in the land. No wonder there's all of this trouble that's everywhere. It's because people are actually getting in the spirit of the end time. And if you took a glimpse down in Sodom, you would see Satan become incarnate in people. 
You wonder how the heinous crimes are being done in the world today and the insanity that is on the world today. It is because the mind of Satan is pressing down. And you are seeing people getting so full of the devil that they will mock righteousness and abuse the angels. As I, as I said last Sunday, Sodom has increased from less than 1% of my generation identifying as homosexuals to nearly one out of four of those who are of generation Z, 18 to 25, and the rest are okay with it. It's your freedom to do so. While I'm here, let me correct something I said because Brother E.J. corrected me. I said one of our school resources officers in Shreveport identifies as a fox. Now, I got that wrong. The, the fox actually signed up as an, an auxiliary deputy. But nevertheless, he's not a human. He's a fox. They're coming in to enforce the laws of the land, to pretend that he's protecting us. This is the Sodom world that we're living in. Insanity. And let me just repeat again why it is. It is because Satan, there's actually right now, we are in the process as we ascend, Satan is falling. As he falls, he's incarnated in people until he will become full king of the earth. Just wait until the bride leaves. And I tell you, you don't want to be here to find out what I'm saying is right. Because the evil that you see today is just the tip of the iceberg as to what's coming. But Brother Branham told us in Anointed Ones at the end time, he said first, he said there's three things that lays before us now. And I believe these things are prophetic. First, the world is in, its, in a sodom condition. Jesus said it would happen. Look at the perversion. Our women trying to act like men. Our men trying to act like women. Sissified, rotten, filthy, low down, devil possessed, and don't know it. And the Bible said it would happen. And that's where it's at. Secondly, it's that hour, according to Scripture, that Janice and Jambres appears. And that's number two. And Janice and Jambres are impersonators of the genuine. So therefore, even in message ranks, we have a whole generation of impersonators who are impersonating the Holy Ghost because they raised their hand in a meeting and said they believe on Christ or accept him as Savior. And they're impersonating a real Holy Ghost life. Thirdly, it's the same hour the Son of Man is to be revealed and I'd like to say where he's being revealed in his bride form. Now, why is Sodom increasing? Because Satan is incarnating himself and will advance from Antichrist to the full embodiment in the false prophet. Now, in the second seal, Brother Branham said, in the age after the church goes home, he becomes a beast. He becomes the devil incarnate. The red dragon himself. Oh my, can't you see it? He is incarnate in his people then. He's got his people bound by his power. The false prophet has prophesied them right into them, give them over to strong delusions to believe a lie and to be damned by it, denying the word with a form of godliness. Now, this, this of course is why you want to be careful who you're listening to. Because they can prophesy you right into the incarnation of the devil. Yes. 
Amen. And Satan has incarnated himself by education, systematic instruction until the C generation, the young adults, ages 18 to 25, one out of four have now, now identified as homosexuals. And we're hearing constantly, it's become, it's become quite regular of drag queen shows in our public schools for little kids. And how much more delusional can the world get? Right here in the, in the Commonwealth of Virginia, their state lawmaker is uh, wanting to introduce a bill making it a crime for parents not to affirm their LGBT child. And this bill will expand the state's definition of child abuse and neglect to include parents and the guardians who will not affirm their LGBT children. So there again, they are, they are fortunate. Remember, the marking of the beast will be forced in the end time. Brother Branham calls these Sodom laws. Amen. A school in, in San Diego has left reading and writing arithmetic to host what is called a family-friendly Halloween drag queen show. And the event was sponsored by no less than a, a local San Francisco gender, gender reassignment surgery center in collaboration with popular, a popular gay nightclub. These people have an agenda. Our educational systems are now filled with groomers and activist pimps. Decades of, parents of public school education have indoctrinated many of today's parents where they feel like this is okay. The offices of the U.S. government is filled with homosexuals and transgenders and the nation has ceased from freedom of religion promoting now freedom from religion. And with the incarnation of Satan comes the mind and the thinking of Satan. And Satan is pressing down and forcing himself upon the world that we're living in, forcing it by Sodom laws. Amen. All in the name of freedom. You see, Satan has had 6,000 years of uh, a perversion, which now has climaxed into a time of Satan's Eden. Satan's Eden has been created by bringing all the times of perversion, uh, the heaping up of all the sins of the past, all the days from the days of Noah all the way down um, where the man's mind was on evil continually until um, the days of Sodom where it was the ultimate a perversion localized in a couple of cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And now, the, now it is now climaxed into a Sodom world. It's no longer a local place where you can just be out in the desert like Abraham was and be far removed from it. But it's right there in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your schools. It's there in the colleges. It's everywhere. And Satan's got an agenda. And that is to take over your thinking and to produce an attitude or an atmosphere of unbelief in your life. 
you see where that it becomes a conglomerate of sin and evil heaping up all the sins of all generations is now heaping up every demon power now congregating itself in this last day as darkness makes its final stand. First Peter 5 and 8 says, for us to be sober, that means to be serious, to be vigilant, to be on guard, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, an impersonator, he's not a roaring lion. The king of kings and the Lord of lords, the lion of the tribe of Judah. But he goes as a roaring lion, you know, very religiously walking about seeking whom he may devour. And then he says, whom resists steadfast in the faith. I want you to notice you are to be resistors. Constantly pushing out the mind and the thinking of Satan and his predominant views that he wants to press upon this world. You see, listen, listen, I've seen it even among our young people. I've seen our, our message youth get up and defend, defend the, the Black Matters movement. Defend, which is a homosexual agenda, by the way. Defend a homosexual lifestyle. Defend abortion on demand. Young people who are supposed to believe the message, raised in the message church, but their minds have been taken over. And we've got to guard against it and resist it. Amen. Now, listen where Brother Branham placed the scripture. He said, he, he said uh, here in the beginning and ending of the Gentile dispensation, he said the Bible said in the last day that Satan would go about like a roaring lion. He's gathered together all of his enemies, all his friends, our enemies, and congregating them together, heaping under one big head the mark of the beast. In the ecclesiastical realms, the confederation of churches, all the uniting and making themselves a great organization, the same as Catholicism, and the world empires are uniting themselves together, forming up a big head um, uh, there in the political realms called communism. And the life of God is pressing on. Now I want you to get this. Because he said they're congregating like a roaring lion. And people are actually being pushed into this very trap of Satan where that they are receiving the mind and the thinking of the beast. Are you with me? But at the same time, the life of God is pressing on. So when you're, we're preaching here about Sarah, and God appearing at the same time, Satan is there in a civilization. And he's bringing about an agenda there against righteousness, against holiness. And again, it's not one city, it's the whole world. Now, the pressures of the age become so hard against the believer to keep you from the revealing of the hour. Brother Branham said himself, he said, 
well, you know, why do you hunger, church? Why do you thirst? It's the Father trying to reveal this great mystery to you, but you keep letting so many other things keep you from it. Amen. And, and then he goes on and starts naming some of the things that keep people from it, but Satan's doing everything he can to keep the bride out of the atmosphere of the Holy Ghost. Amen. But the life of God is pressing against that. Because there has to be a people whose hearts are changed, whose mind is set on God, who believe the word, who sees it work, and know that there's something happening in them. It may be invisible yet, but it's happening. Now, the pressures of this age presses so hard against the believers to keep you from the revealing of the hours to drive the Spirit of Christ from you. And he does it in the unseen realm. And he uses tools of the seen realm to keep you out of the presence of the angel. He comes with his evil age. But I want you to understand, he has no part in us. John chapter 14, verse 30. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh. And he hath nothing in me. How many can say that today? The prince of the world has come. He's here and creating a Sodom with all his evil. But he doesn't have a part in my life. I'm not a part of that. He, I ain't giving him my mind. I ain't giving him my heart. I'm not giving him my faith. Come on. Amen, I am standing there on the promise of God. He comes with his music, but there's nothing in me to feed on that. He comes with his money, his women, his popularity, but he has found no place in me. I cannot be bought. I cannot be compromised. Amen, I cannot be lured away. Amen, but there is nothing in me. I'm saying take this whole world. But just give me Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, Jesus said in Luke chapter 22, verse 53, when I was daily with you in the temple, you stretched fortune, no hand against me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. Now, I'm wanting to point out something because this is prophetical. Because as the bride leaves from here, and the crucifixion of the word has taken place. It becomes his hour and the, the hour of the power of darkness. This is the hour where darkness reigns. And Jesus said, when I was daily with you in your temple, you stretched no, forth no hand against me. But now this is your hour and the power of darkness. So there comes again Satan's hour and his power of darkness as he comes now to incarnate himself in a people in this end time. Now, we are in a spiritual squeeze, a persecution, a press upon the mind of men that is designed to keep you from giving preeminence to the word of God. This was Sarah. She was so pressed upon. 
She was so, she was so embittered. The days, the toil, the long, the length of time had at war upon her. And here all of the pressures there had come upon her, and she was not given preeminence to the word. She was not given preeminence to the word, to, the, to God that was right there in, in her midst, that was calling her name, that was identifying her in a promise. And even with the identification, she's still unbelieving. Now, I want you to know we are in a spiritual squeeze a persecution, a press, a press upon the minds of men that is designed to keep you from giving the Word of God its proper place in your life. Now, letting off the pressure, Brother Branham talks about how that this has become a neurotic age and everybody's built up, hadn't got any time, and builds up a place to where well, it breaks up things, it causes people to have a hard feelings as they snap off and say things you didn't mean to say. He said, everybody's guilty of it. I'm guilty. You're all guilty. So the pressures of this age can actually cause us to do things that are wrong. That are really the result of the pressure on us rather than the result of God on us. This was Sarah. Now, so you see, there's an excess pressure. He said, build up today. You're under excess pressure. Every age has had its burdens. Every age has had its problems. But this is a problem. They were all of sin heats up against this generation. You are not just facing a few things. You're facing all the tactics of the enemy that he has learned for 6,000 years. And he's coming directly against you. Pressing on you. Trying to keep you from believing. And Brother Brandon said, I believe it's the enemy coming down and pressing. It's the devil. And we know the coming of the Lord is at hand. And the Bible said that the devil go about like a roaring lion. And if he could get you under pressure, hurrying, running over something, you'll make decisions that you wouldn't do if you'd sit down and think it over. So it's not so much a physical press or squeeze. That won't come until Satan becomes full of king of the earth and then there'll come a persecution. But right now, the great burden of the last age is the pressure of riches. Self-living, nervous tensions in a complex age that we seem unfit to live in. So why is this press? This is what I want to ask you. Then why, why is all of this Satan coming down into this age? Why is it all of this heaping up and congealing together and mixing together and coming together? Why is this press? Because it is the dawning of a new day. Sarah, when you thought it couldn't get any worse, it did. When your condition progressed to where it was impossible, it did. When it got so dark, you can't believe anymore, it did. You thought, oh, you know, I, I wrestled with this in ages past or days past, but it gets worse. Unbelief is coming in harder than ever. 
But why is this press? It is because it is the dawning of a new day and light is pressing against the darkness. This is why it's congealing and coming together and getting darker and darker and darker because there is light that has come to an end time people Hallelujah. Who are not of this present world, who are not of this present darkness, but they are light in the Lord. Somebody help me preach. Amen. They are looking upon the face of the mighty angel with the full countenance of the sun in whom there is no darkness or shadow of turning with every type, every veil being taken away to see him in his fullness. And it presses the darkness. Now, in Abraham's day, Satan had been pushed and darkness had congealed and pressed in a place called Sodom. Today, it's a Sodom world. But I want you to know the light is coming on. You can't put it back. When the sun rises and it begins, you know, and the darkness is there, you know, and it starts coming forward with light and progressing, you can't rewind the clock. You can't turn it back into darkness. And when this light is coming this day and hour, there is no way Satan and all his forces can put light back in a box Hallelujah, this light is bringing a new day, a dawning of a new day to believers. And Sarah, this is not Satan's hour. This is your hour. This is not just the hour of darkness, but this is the hour of light. And light is pressing the darkness. Brother Branham said, and the great darkness is swinging over the earth. Now is nothing but to declare the light is pressing its way down. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but there's already been a prophet in this day that ran up to the height of the mountain and saw the rising of the sun. Amen. You, you remember the story of the slaves when, when they were down in the valley and the light wouldn't shine down there. But on a certain day at sunrise, they would be free. And so, but down in the valley, it wouldn't come till about 12 or 1 o'clock in the day when the sun got over the mountain. So there were some young men that run up to the top of the mountain. Amen, that when the sun came up, amen, they looked over there and said, here it comes, it's risen, amen, and they shouted down to the next one, hey, the sun is up, he is risen, you're free, you may not have seen the light yet, but you're free anyhow, the light is up. I tell you, there's a prophet came in this day, went all the way to the top of the pyramid, and he saw the light coming, and he declared, Shalom, peace. It's the dawning of a new day, and there ain't nothing the devil can do to stop it. 
that light will press the darkness back to its place. <coughs> and he got up to the top of the mountain and said, it is the rising of the sun. Hallelujah, shalom. Good morning, church. It's no longer night. The evening light has come. Hallelujah. And the evening light is dispelling the darkness. This great darkness that's swinging on the earth now is nothing but declare the light is pressing its way down. When death is hanging so close that it could be in an hour, one hour from, the, from now the world could meet its death. You know that's true. Look what Russia is claiming. Look at what, how Iran is raising Look at all the, listen, they said we're closer to nuclear destruction than we have been. And now, now since the other Roman Catholic president was in. We're closer now to doomsday than we've ever been. Amen. And he said death is hanging so close it could be within an hour. One hour from now the world could meet its death. If death is hanging there close, what is it doing? It's life. Life is coming. Hallelujah. It ain't all bad news. The good news is the sun shining. Good, the good news is it is the rising of the sun. Amen. The good news is, amen, arise and shine for thy light has come. And his glory shall be seen upon you. Hallelujah, little bride. Come on, Sarah. Don't you realize his glory, the glory of the revealed word is dawning on the people in this hour. Awaken a bride to the, to the realize I'm no longer the victim. I'm the victor. I'm no longer defeated. I am the defeater. I am a serpent bruiser. Hallelujah, devil defeater. Amen, I am here. I've been called in this age to cast Satan down. The prince of the world has come. He offered me everything, but he had no part in me. There's a people on earth today that can say, he offered us everything, but nothing he offered, we want. We want Jesus. Let him stay. Let his presence abide. Let me get more of him. He said, what is this? Death coming so close. The resurrection, the Easter for all of God's children is hanging low and is pressing. Hallelujah. The Easter for all God's children is hanging low and it's pressing. The angels are coming down. The great Holy Spirit is moving in. Darkness is taking its last toll. For the light will soon be here. Christ will come. The joy, the hope of the ages, a real resurrection for all believers for we will share with him in his resurrection as we have shared with him in his suffering. He that suffers with me shall reign with me. 
we're in a time dimensions are blending. Angels coming down into this dimension. Seven angels in a cloud declaring, declaring that the seven thunders of Revelation 10 are now revealed. The voice of God speaking out. The seven seals being made known. That's the hour we're in. Amen. We're, 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 in the, we're in the hour where that angels come without a door opening, walk right through the door. Where the pillar of fire is seen among us. This is where we are. The Holy Spirit moving down. Angels coming in. And darkness is taking its last toll. For the light will soon be here. Christ will come the joy of the hope of the ages. Oh, think of this. Even dimensions are blending. Hallelujah. It's the ending of time and the blending of eternity. The dead in Christ are closer to this dimension than they ever have been. Are you with me? This is where we are in time. Where that they can almost be felt. Hallelujah. And soon they will be seen. And when they are seen, we'll be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. The winds of change. Angels coming down. When I think about the angels holding the winds of war and strife until the servants of God are sealed in their forehead. You realize before he can seal the 144,000, he has to seal the last Gentile into the kingdom. Did somebody catch that? I hope that didn't go over your head. Let me just say it again. You see, the angels are holding the winds of war and strife. The Bible said it. They hold the four winds of the earth. Winds represent war and strife. And he's holding them back. You see, it would have destroyed it back when I was a little boy in the mission, in the, in the Cuban Missile Crisis. Amen. It would, would have destroyed, it, come on, it would have destroyed the earth. It would have destroyed it. Right, you know, are you with me for a moment? What, what year was that, Brother Timothy, where Brother Doug Baker talks about living in North Carolina and there a, a nuclear weapon actually crashed into the ground right near the base. And there would have wiped out the whole East Coast. But there were angels there holding it back. Why didn't Christ come in 1963? Some say he did. Well, he didn't. Sure, he revealed himself in the Word, but, and there was a Word coming to Christ, but it wasn't his physical return. Are you with me? Amen. But why did he come then when the book was open and the seven seals revealed? Because there were more names written on the Lamb's book of life that had not been manifested on earth. Hallelujah. The message had to go out and catch some of you. Some of you were out in sin and worldliness and everything else. Wasn't ready for the coming of the Lord. But God wasn't going to leave one of his behind. So he's been holding back. The winds of strife and wars. He's been holding it back until he seals the servants of God in their forehead. That's the Jews. 
And they're all back to Israel now, waiting there for their sealing time. But he had to seal the Gentile in first. So he held it back, not just for Jews, but for you. Hallelujah. Amen. And when the last one comes in, the angel's going to let some things fly. Amen. Now, so you said, Brother Bradham said, there's darkness that is pressing in. Now watch, you've got to recognize darkness when it's coming in. See, there seems to be something wrong among men. Men don't seem to be have that masculine touch that he used to have. Women don't have that feminist touch she used to have. You men today, you take men today, they don't seem to be burly like they used to. I, I happened to see a clip. It was a song that come on that I, I liked, and it came up, and I happened to be on Facebook and saw this song come up that I wanted to hear. It was a gospel song, and I listened to that singing. Next thing come on, and here's this guy, and he comes on. He looks like about uh, coming 50, 45, 50, and he's complaining about adult bullying. And he said, I went into a hardware store, and, and he says, I had these shorts on, and he points down. He's got these little mini shorts on, and they're all flowery and, you know, full of all the multicolors and whatever. And said, these men come in a truck, and they got out, and they looked like rough men, and they had beards and, and, and whatever, and looked like, you know, hillbillies and whatever, and they began to snicker at me. You know, and then he goes on this whole rage, you see, like a woman would. On Facebook about uh, this bullying that's going on in, in America today, you know, when I can't even wear my shorts into, without somebody making a crude remark. You know, you, because you see, they don't have, men don't have that masculine touch anymore. The first thing you know, they got this uh, little bracelet on and, you know, got a little necklace on and, you know, an earring or two or, you know, some, some kind of effeminate ways. Amen. Brother Brandon said men don't seem to be burly like they used to. I, and I want to just say something to you women. You know, I know you think it's cute. For your little boy to be set up in his little in his little shorts and you know dressed up in his little ways and 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 little little cute and you you did them that way when they were young, but I'm telling you, you need to treat your teach your young men how to be men, not effeminate. And I've seen mothers that actually push that on their kids, and of course when they grow up, the next thing you know, they're still wanting to wear those cute little shorts. You see, they want, as Brother Brandon said, they don't need, they don't seem to be burly like they used to be. They want to wear suede shoes with purple. They want to act like women. And it seems more like a perversion. A woman wants to cut off her hair, act like a man. Man wants to act like a woman. And yet you talk to them, they're nice people to talk to, nice people, friendly, sociable people. What's caused this? It is gross darkness upon the people. It is something that pressed them into it. But I want you to know, friends, that ain't us. Your light has come. 
And it's come from the eternal realms. And eternity is now shining into this dimension. The glory of the revealed word has risen. And the pillar of fire has returned. And is working among us, healing our sick, casting out devils, filling sons and daughters of God with his spirit. Light and darkness is here all at the same time. Light pressing the darkness, forcing or gathering together the forcing of religion and politics until they will actually crown Satan as king. Now, Brother Branham says the difference is just like it was at the beginning. When there was gross darkness upon the earth and the Spirit of God moved upon the water and said, let there be light. And God separated the light from the darkness. And I believe we're now living in that hour again where God is separating light from darkness. Right there. Amen. He'll come right down even even in a church and he'll separate light from darkness. Make sure you don't join with darkness. And that's the reason why he said, and God is pressing it to the other side of the world that the light might be manifest. Then the, then the church, the reason I say shalom to them is because it's God's peace. That's what I want to bring to you this morning for the new year. Not looking back, but we're looking forward to the breaking of a new day until there's something great laying ahead of us where the years has been, the joy we've looked forward to, the pressing, coming of the great light. And now we see it breaking between mortal and immortality. We see it breaking between heavens and earth from an earthbound sickness and a troubled world to bright and shiny day of an immortal life, an immortal body, an immortal earth that can never pass away. It's shalom to the church. Now it's light time coming for the believer, but a gross darkness upon the people. So even as we see Satan incarnating himself, Even so, God is now incarnating himself in a people. Moving from justification to sanctification until the baptism of the Holy Ghost until the incarnation of God into his people. When God incarnates himself in his people, the very life that was in Christ is in that person. Think of that. Satan taken on flesh. And at the same time, God is taking on flesh. I don't know about you, but I don't want my flesh yielded to the devil. I've seen the wreckage that brings. I've seen the hurt and the harms and the confusion and the trouble that brings. I want to yield myself to God. Say, Lord, come and incarnate yourself in me. Come step down inside of me. Come live and dwell in me. Come move in my life. Come change me. From bitterness to believing again. From faith, from doubt unto faith. You know, God pouring out his spirit upon all flesh. Now, not in one flesh. This is where the problem is. Men are now looking up for another one to rise. You know, they want to crown. He'll be the Messiah. He's going to be the one that leads the bride in. People won't accept him. Oh, so he becomes in the rejected Christ. That's nonsense. You see, again, it's not, it's not all that anymore. All one man scriptures has been fulfilled. It's a body ministry. It's a body move. Amen. Where God is coming in flesh, in bride form. 
God walking and talking and dwelling among his people. This is what God's doing. Now, and because of him, the atmosphere is changing. Now, what happens? What are we trying to do? What are we wanting in evening light tabernacle? You see, we've got to be a people of, uh, of the right atmosphere. Because in the atmosphere Sarah was in, she would never bring forth that promised son. She was in the wrong atmosphere. So in order for us to bring Jesus back to earth, the last one's got to come in. So we got to have the right atmosphere in the church where that God can come and fill newborn babes in Christ with the Holy Spirit. Amen. An atmosphere where there can be healing because if there is no divine healing, there's no change of the body. Amen. We've got to have every promise manifested in our lives, not just part of them. So you see, we've got to create an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit can move. Where newborns can be birthed into the kingdom. Where we can bring Isaacs. The church has got to bring it forth. Now, so you see, it doesn't matter if it's a word written in the scripture. And I'm closing on this. Words written in the scripture, it's got to be quickened by the Holy Spirit. No matter how much you read it, even the message, no matter how much, and even, even a vision, no matter how much a vision has spoke the word, it's got to be received in the atmosphere for that to, take, to cause a faith to come in you. You can't just get the vision and say, well, I believe, well, God's going God's to do this for me. You've got to do more than that. You've got to open your heart to it. You've got to come to the point that you're no more scorning at the promise. So, well, if it don't come in a certain time, I don't even want it anymore. No, I want it. It doesn't matter when it comes. If God, you gave a promise, I want it. If God said I can have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I want it. If God said I can have divine healing, I want it. If God said the church can be on fire for God, I want it. I want the dynamics of the Holy Ghost. The atmosphere where the word of God can be manifested. God bless you. Will you stand together with me? You can have genuine seed. You can even be genuine seed. Seed gene of God. Wheat all the way. I can hold in my hand grains of wheat. And it's got life in it. But you'll never know it until it gets in the right atmosphere. You can have really seed of God. Oh, yes, names on the book of life of the Lamb from the foundation of the world. But if there's no atmosphere for it. That seed will lay dormant. You can have scripture, theology, truth, message truth. And without the spirit on it, it'll never make manifest. You see, Sarah knew all these things intellectually. But her atmosphere had to be changed. I'm saying to you today. Look at your atmosphere of your life. You're a creator yourself. You can create an atmosphere. Let the Holy Spirit 
do a work in you and produce a creation of attitude of receiving from God till there's a change in your life to your new creature in Christ till it changes your vocabulary that takes out the I can't to I can that Lord I don't care when it comes I just want it I'm not going to make any kind of deals. I, I, I ain't going to make some requirement. Well, if you don't come when I want it, Lord, it's coming. Prepare my heart, oh God. Do something like you did for Sarah. Come down and call my name. Speak to me. It means something when your name gets called sometimes. The other day on Saturday, I'll just can tell you this. I was suffering so bad with my feet. They were burning so bad. I was in tears. I was back in the back rubbing them. I couldn't come out of time because I couldn't stand. I couldn't stand to even have my shoes on. I had my socks off. Brother Ron was back there with me. He was going to preach. I put my shoes and socks back on, came back out here and sat down. And at the end of the service, I said, Lord... Come by my way. It would just mean something to me. You just call my name. You speak to me, Lord. You just spark a faith in my life. And no more than I got that prayer out, he began to pray for me and my feet. It didn't all go away for one moment, but every day it got a little less until in two weeks I haven't had that burning anymore. I want you to start expecting your miracle. I want you to start expecting healing for your family. I want you to start expecting the prodigals to come home. I want you to start expecting God to move. I want you to expect him to call your name. And say, it's for you. I'm coming by your way. I'm calling you out. I'm calling your name. Now believe. Sister Eliana, Sister Ellie, it's good. Mom and Dad come down with her. That's wonderful. See these children worshiping God. I got videos of some of them, some of the winners, grandchildren, Brother Tim's little grandkids. He sent them to me. Like a proud pop pop. Showing his little daughters worshiping God, loving him. That's what we want. We want an atmosphere where it can birth sons and daughters of God, can prepare people for his coming. Little sister Ellie. She wants the Lord to come in her life. She's invited him. Now she wants to take on his name. You know, you may not realize it, but you heard your name called the other day. God become personal to you. That's what it is, is when God becomes personal to you. When he speaks to you for your need. Amen. Brother Aaron, come pray with me.
Brother Timothy, lead in the song. Let's just worship the Lord together, will you? Change my heart, oh God. Would you say, God, change my heart in your presence? Make it ever true. Lord, I haven't had a real true heart. Change my heart, oh God. Yeah, I, I, I know May I'm Sarah, but and I know this message is for me. Change my heart. But somehow or another, heart, I, oh I'm still a little skeptical. My heart needs to be true. We just ask him to do it. Change my heart, oh God. May I be like you. You are the potter. I am.
Walking in. 
our young people there surrendering their heart to the Lord. And so I'd say young age, Brother Tim. Well, when I first gave my heart to the Lord, I was five. So I guess God can do that, don't you? I believe the Lord can save our young people and before they go out and live an awful life of sin. You know, there's always all kinds of testimonies. There's many testimonies. Of, I was a sinner. I was in drugs and alcohol, prostitution, all that. All the things that we don't want our children to have to go through. You know, and that can be a testimony and a great testimony. But I think as great a testimony is the Lord kept me. Raised me up in a Christian family and taught me the right way. And when I was of a young age, I gave my heart to the Lord. And I think that can be your testimony too. I think that's as powerful a testimony as those that says, well, I was um, hell's angels or I was drunk or I was dope or I was, you know, this horrible sin. And, but yet God saves us no matter who we are. And... All of us need a savior because we were born wrong to begin with. That's why we have to be born again. And so God did that for, for us to provide a second birth because our first birth was wrong and we were birthed into sin. So Jesus taught us, you must be born again. So we bring Ellie here to the Lord today. And Ellie, if you'll slide this way just a little bit, sweetheart. And Ellie has gave her heart to the Lord, and you know, in the meeting, she was so blessed, and God just did a miraculous work in her life, and I believe that he'll continue that, because I believe that he that begun the good work in you will perform it to the day of Christ. So, you know, whatever steps you make with the Lord, God will take you even further. You may have made certain steps with the Lord, and but you know... I believe he'll finish it. And if he hadn't finished it in you, I believe he will. And so just keep pressing toward him with all your heart. Now, Sister Ellie, the Lord Jesus sent Brother Tim to the world, called him at a young age. And, you know, when I was about your age, I already knew I was called to preach, already making plans to minister the gospel of Christ at... 11 years old. You're about 11, aren't you? At your age, I asked my mother and dad for a Bible with my name on it and a new suit at 11 years old for my 11th birthday because I believed that God was calling me to the ministry. I wouldn't preach till I was 15. But yet, even then, I knew the Lord had put something on my heart. And God and deal with you and work with you as a young person. And he has. And it's for this reason you're in the water today. So he sent me here in this end time to preach the gospel. And he commanded me in his word that those who believed and followed him, that I was to baptize them that believed in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So in obedience to that divine command that God made and gave me in the Bible, I baptize you, my beloved sister, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Isn't God good to us? 
That's why we praise Him. That's why we sing. That's why we offer Him our everything. That's why we bow down and worship this King. For He gave His everything. Yes, He gave His everything. He came to live. Live a perfect life. Come.